The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Once again, welcome to another edition of the Cool Stuff Ride Home Podcast. Marcus Paff and Reggie Rizou here bringing you some of the more interesting stories of the day. On today's episode, a new treatment for Parkinson's shows amazing promise. Dogs once again show us why they're man's best friend. Plus, a species long thought extinct shows its very much alive face to scientists. And if you're considering the Tesla truck, be doubly certain you won't want to sell it within the first year. All that, plus this day in history, a Zelda edition, coming up on Cool Stuff Ride Home. Not extinct after all. Per a BBC News report, scientists have filmed an ancient egg-laying mammal for the first time, proving it isn't extinct as was previously feared. Oxford University researchers recently led an expedition to Indonesia, resulting in the recording of four three-second clips featuring the Attenborough long-beaked echidna, named after Sir David Attenborough, the 97-year-old British biologist and broadcaster. Now, echidnas are spiky, furry creatures. Think porcupine if you're looking for a body type comparison, though they're only distantly related. They're thought to have emerged about 200 million years ago when dinosaurs roamed the earth and possess a long beak-like nose reminiscent of an anteater. Now, this part of the story is fascinating to me, Reggie. Until these video clips were captured, the only evidence that this particular species even existed was a decades-old museum specimen of a dead animal. That means that for the last 62 years, the only evidence that Attenborough echidna even existed was a single specimen kept under high security in the treasure room at the Natural History Museum of the Netherlands. The expedition to Indonesia's Cyclops Mountains was headed by Dr. James Kempton, who told BBC News, quote, I was euphoric. The whole team was euphoric. I'm not joking when I say it came down to the very last SD card that we looked at from the very last camera that we collected on the very last day of our expedition, end quote. Dr. Kempton also noted he'd been in correspondence with Sir David himself about the rediscovery and that he was absolutely delighted. Now, if you're wondering, how is it possible in 2023 for scientists to not be aware of a particular species' existence? Well, part of that has to do with the rugged rainforest habitat of the aforementioned Cyclops Mountains. The area is insanely steep and dangerous to explore. To reach the highest elevations where the echidna are found, the scientists had to climb narrow ridges of moss and tree roots, often under rainy conditions, with cliffs on either side. I cannot imagine this. Twice during the ascent, the mountains were hit by earthquakes. That is absolutely insane. Now, Dr. Kempton told the BBC, quote, you're slipping all over the place. You're being scratched and cut. 
There are venomous animals around you, deadly snakes like the Death Adler. There are leeches literally everywhere. The leeches are not only on the floor, but these leeches climb trees. They hang off the trees and then drop onto you to suck your blood, end quote. Wow. Uh, Previous expeditions to the area had uncovered signs such as nose pokes in the ground that the Attenborough echidna was still living there, but they were unable, scientists that is, to access the remotest reaches of the mountains and provide definitive proof of their existence. In addition to finding Attenborough's lost echidna, the expedition discovered new species of insects and frogs and observed healthy populations of tree kangaroo and birds of paradise. Uh, This sounds like something out of a movie, Reggie. I, I just absolutely cannot imagine traversing mountains like that, all in the name of hopefully seeing an animal that you are all but certain does not exist on this planet anymore. Yeah, and are these guys all Indiana Jones? I mean, these are some pretty treacherous conditions they're going through. I, I, I wouldn't be able to do that. When you think scientists, you don't think that type of a, you know, going into the jungle type, you know, or whatever, uh, to find these animals. And, and isn't it always the case? It's the last thing you look at when you find it. Well, I mean, that how is many a good times- place to end. As, as the comedian Mitch Hedberg once said, it's a fight to the finish. That's a good place to end. Were you talking to me as in the end of the story or the end? <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. I, I wasn't. I wasn't, but I like he was making fun of that expression. He's like, they said on the fight, it's a fight to the finish. That seems like a good place to end. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how many times I've done work where I spend hours doing something. And every time I do it, whether I start at the beginning or start at the end, it's always the last thing I look at. Yeah, I mean, that had to have been quite a moment for these scientists when you put that much effort into your craft and it does come down to that that last look at the video that you took and, and you find something as exciting as this. Very cool. And I'll tell you this, I won't be vacationing in the Cyclops Mountains anytime soon. <laughs> nope, nope. Leave those leeches alone. Leave everything else alone. I'm good. I'll stay in my house. It was on November 21st in 2019 that Elon Musk revealed that Tesla's first electric Cybertruck with shatterproof windows was coming out. However, I don't know if you remember this event, but the grand reveal when he showed those shatterproof windows, they were being tested by being repeatedly hit by the design chief. Well, the window shattered. And uh, more kind of a questionable news about the Tesla truck. A recent new series of videos on social media are now showing the truck appearing to struggle with off-road driving. In one of the videos, supposedly the Cybertruck is climbing a dirt hill, but its wheels are spinning in place. It does eventually climb the hill after about 10 seconds. The video is supposedly from the testing period of the prototype, so maybe take that into account as well. Now, however, it was revealed last week that if you want to buy one of the new trucks and you sell it within the first year, you could be hit with a $50,000 penalty for violating the vehicle's order agreement and be barred from purchasing any Tesla vehicle again. If you want to sell it within the first year, you must receive written consent from Tesla. According to the for Cybertruck only section in the customer agreement, you agree that you will not sell or otherwise attempt to sell the vehicle within the first year following your vehicle's delivery date. They say they don't want you to sell it within the first year because they don't want people flipping trucks and having cancellations come in for their pre-orders because they already ended up buying one secondhand instead. 750,000 people had made reservations to buy the truck, 
and it is expected it will take years for all of those reservations to be met. Delivery for the vehicles is expected to begin on November 30th. Reggie, I can sort of understand where Tesla's coming with that because I guess I'm I'm thinking about it in terms of tickets for events, concerts, sporting events, uh, things of that nature. And how often do we as consumers wind up paying exorbitant amounts uh, of money, uh, a lot more money than we would at face value because somebody's gone in, purchased a bunch of them, someone with a lot of purchasing power, and then tried to flip them after the fact. Now, Maybe that's not the only thing they're concerned about here, but that's something that I, I think you would take into consideration for what is essentially a, a fairly rare item. It's not like there's a lot of competition for this type of truck at the moment. Well, and yeah, you see the same thing with uh, video games with the PlayStation, Xbox, when they first came out, people bought them, tripled the price, you know, and, and made a profit on it. So I guess you could say they're trying to protect the consumers so this doesn't happen. Well, there's no doubt they're also protecting themselves from the potential of someone selling a secondhand truck later on. I, I I guess I look at this and yes, it seems a little bit absurd because we're all accustomed to saying, hey, it's my property. I'll sell it when I want to sell it. But at the same time, there's a part of me that understands that that side of the argument as the manufacturing entity in this instance. Yeah, and I wonder the legalities. I didn't even know you could tell or you could put that in a contract that you can't sell this or you will be fined. I didn't know that's, that was legal. Yeah, that's a great point. I'd love to hear from someone who's better versed in the legalities of all that because I wouldn't have thought that either. And Marcus, I don't know if you noticed that, but when you hit the subscribe button for this podcast, if you unsubscribe within the first year, we will hunt you down and beg for you to subscribe again. Please, come on. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. GNN reports a 63-year-old French man suffering from advanced stage Parkinson's disease recently received a new spinal implant and has consequently regained significant motor functions, including the ability to walk unaided for miles. This after having previously lost all such faculties to the motor neuron disorder. The experimental implant was developed in collaboration between the Swiss Federal Institute of Technology in Lausanne and Lausanne University Hospital. Using implants, they also previously restored some mobility to a man with a spinal cord injury that had left him paralyzed. Now, in the latter stages of Parkinson's, patients lose the ability to correctly use their muscles, and at some points, movement can shut off entirely leaving the person to crumple to the floor. Of course, we all know how horrific this disease is. 63-year-old Mark from Bordeaux, France, was diagnosed with the condition 20 years ago, and it got so bad that there had to be someone holding his arms at all times in case his walking gait just froze. With the implants, he's now able to walk more than three and a half miles without fear while confidently traversing stairs as needed. Again, per the GNN report, the implants still need another five years of work, but the study published on Mark's experience is seen as a major stepping stone. And speaking to the media, Mark said, quote, 
I practically could not walk anymore without falling frequently several times a day. In some situations, such as entering a lift, I'd trample on the spot as though I was frozen there, you might say. Right now, I'm not even afraid of the stairs anymore. Every Sunday, I go to the lake and I walk around six kilometers. It's incredible, end quote. So how does it work? Scientists built a map of Mark's spinal cord in order to discover the locations responsible for signaling the legs to move. Electrodes were then implanted at those locations, allowing stimulation to be delivered directly into the spine. Mark actually wore two sensors on posterior leg muscles. When walking was initiated, the sensors would continuously send information to a stimulator located under his skin on the abdomen. The stimulator corrected any abnormal signals, preventing trembling or loss of coordination. To coordinate the stimulator, Mark had to do a lot of walking around in a lab setting while the team monitored him with motion detection cameras and computer modeling. Speaking to The Guardian, Professor Eduardo Martin Morad of Lausanne University Hospital said, quote, at no point is the patient controlled by the machine. It's just enhancing his capacity to walk, end quote. The research team says it's committed to testing this same intervention in six more patients to gain a better feel for its potential to be available one day to the public at large. Reggie, I think we all know that that this is an, an awful disease, whether you know someone with it or not. We know how horrific it can be for those folks. So when you hear something like this, man, does it give you a lot of hope? And as is seemingly always the case with scientific advancements like this, uh, I'm certain there are probably other uh, uh, you know, areas that this can be applied to as well. So, so pretty darn cool to say yeah, every least. time, every time I hear a story like this, all I can think of is like, what's going to happen in the next 10 years. I mean, I think back and look at, uh, you go sports, you know, back in the eighties, you tore out your knee, your career was done. Mm-hmm. Now you tear, you tear your knee out. You could be back in six months. You could be, you could come back before the end of the season. So these advancements like this, yeah, it just makes me wonder 10 years from now, 20 years from now, where are we going to be? And it just, it fills me with hope. 100%. I think well stated because you're right. You look back through history, Tommy John surgery, for those who are fans of baseball at one time was, I I, I mean, a totally off the wall, out of the box thing that was performed that of course, you know, nowadays we hear about any number of baseball pitchers and even some football players who undergo the procedure and the recovery time is always seemingly, you know, the, the window is shorter and shorter. And so to hear something like this, particularly for something as serious as Parkinson's disease, you said it right. It, it fills, fills me with hope as well. If you're looking for a feel-good story today, it seems we can always rely on our animal friends. In the UK, Mowgli the cat had been missing for six days, and his owner, Michelle Rose, had nearly given up hope of finding him. That's when Daisy the dog stepped in, leading her owner through the woods near their home to an abandoned mine shaft. Per the BBC report, Michelle said Daisy was, quote, going berserk, end quote, running in and out of the woods until her owner followed. Michelle followed Daisy along a footpath towards the Prince of Wales old mine workings before stopping dead in her tracks next to the mine shaft itself. She told the news outlet, quote, without Daisy doing that, Mowgli could still be down there. That's for sure. She was persistent in making me follow her, 
it was amazing, end quote. The RSPCA and Cornwall Fire and Rescue were called that first night, but it was too dark to access the mine shaft. They returned the following morning, at which point Mowgli was spotted 100 feet down by animal rescue officer Stephen Finlow. He was pulled to safety, Mowgli that is, and miraculously was uninjured. The family's other cat, Baloo, go figure, there's a Jungle Book theme here, greeted Mowgli after he was pulled up. Ms. Rose adopted both cats in December of 2022 and oversaw a gradual introduction to Daisy, who was already a part of their household. She told the BBC, quote, Daisy was already a year old when the kittens arrived, and they have all been inseparable ever since. She is quite matriarchal and puts up with them. They love her, and she's very protective of them, end quote. A uh, bit of a dated reference here, Reg, but this sounds like something straight out of the Lassie TV show. Well, you mentioned the names kind of had a Disney reference, and that was my first thought is, hey, here's a new Disney movie coming out soon. <laughs> You're probably spot on about that. We could see that uh, in a theater near you sooner than later. On this date in 1998, The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time was released in Japan for the Nintendo 64. The game had a budget of over $12 million, and with that budget, uh, they expected it to impress. That said, even the developers couldn't have foreseen the legendary status it attained, the highest ranking of all time on Metacritic. Now, this game is one of 20 Zelda games that have been released since 1986. Now, I'm just talking about main titles when I say 20. There were also remakes out there, of course, and side games like the Hyrule Warriors that came out recently for the Nintendo Switch. Now, I'm a, I'm a huge video game guy. I love playing video games. I like and enjoy the Zelda games, but 20 plus all those other ones, I think I've only played a fraction of them. I didn't realize there were so many. Oh, I know that's the case for me, Reggie. I, I loved Zelda as a kid. And when I say that, I'm talking about the original Nintendo title as well as the Super Nintendo game. Those th those are still up there in terms of all-time greats for me. And if if you put that in front of me right now, I'd probably out I I'd be consumed for several hours, uh, having gone back and just reliving my childhood with those. And I should point out that Zelda always 100% has been a Nintendo product. No other platforms. It's always been on one of the Nintendo platforms. And what I find most interesting about this is how often a lot of these games that came out, especially in the 80s, 90s and stuff, you get those remakes out there and you're basically, I mean, you're putting work in to remake the game, but you're making money on a product that you're just repurposing in a, in a way it amuses me how much money they make on remakes and you know what i i'm i'm a sucker i buy a lot of the remakes so i'm part to blame for that but it still amuses me oh they're smart to do it no doubt and and to your earlier point yeah zelda uh, much like mario i obviously it's probably not at that level but one of the longtime faces of the nintendo brand I would say, of course, Mario and Luigi and that cast of characters is at the, the very top. But Zelda can't be too far behind on that, that mountain or that Mount Rushmore of gaming characters for Nintendo. No, no, Marcus, Marcus, Marcus. Let's, let's go back to the other music. Let's go back to the, the regular music. Okay, okay, that's enough. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for another edition of Cool Stuff Ride Home. I'm Reggie Rizzo. The Hummer, Marcus Path, of course. We'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>